Welcome to Where the Lotus Grows, Getting Dirty and Growing Strong with Kimberly Searle and Tanya Drew. As integrative sustainable movement educators and health advocates, our goal is to provide you with evidence-based information gathered from research, experts in the field, and our personal and professional experience to help you advocate for your own health and wellness. Our mission is to collaboratively navigate the thick, muddy waters of life to empower, accept, and cultivate our most authentic selves. Hi, Courageitarians, and welcome back. Today, I want to read an informative and uplifting review from Hippie Chick Herbal Harmony. They say, I'm so happy these lovely ladies decided to create this podcast. I have personally worked with Kimberly, and she has so much to give. It's also nice to be able to meet Tanya through this. Keep up the great work, ladies. You're helping so many. Hippie Chick Herbal Harmony, thank you so much for your kind words. Yes, thank you so much, Hippie Chick. We appreciate hearing from you. Today, we're going to talk about the resilience of a yoga friend. And so have you ever slipped up and have it cost you everything? It's usually in these moments that we find out who our resilient um, friends are. And it's humbling to remember that we are human beings, after all. And a conversation about hard lessons and, and working with our lives with a resilient yoga friend can really help you heal. And so the essence of yoga um, for me is the connectedness to myself and others, those relationships that I build um, with other yogis. And when I live yoga, I feel loved, supported, and as if I have purpose. And it helps me to see and live beyond that superficial of, um, you know, what the media tells us um, success is. And I ask uh, when I work with my clients and with my staff, I ask that they not put me on a pedestal um, from those whom I I guide or mentor because I'm a human being and um, I often make mistakes and my mistakes are often big mistakes. (laughs) And that's how I learn. (laughs) No, absolutely. I love this. And, you know, I I feel like this is something that I I know it's going to sound biased. Um, but something that I feel like yogis bring to the table that maybe other places, other communities don't have, um, is that idea that we are all having this human experience and that we all make mistakes and, um, that we go with the flow with them and that we can be kind to ourselves and to our our peers and we can be compassionate all of the things that that we cultivate in yoga um you know most people think yoga is to be physically flexible but i really think that it builds your mental and emotional flexibility as well mm-hmm. and i just feel like our community is so much more accepting and, and less judgmental and more open to guiding you through the mistakes and accepting the mistakes of others. So I love, I love this topic. And I think that um, yoga friends make great friends. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I think we, uh, we create an emotionally and physically safe place for people to be and to share it doesn't mean that sometimes, you know, judgment and shame doesn't creep in. Um, 
typically when that happens to us, we can go back and say like, I'm sorry. And we can accept the responsibility uh, sure. for that. And, you know, as you, as you were talking, I thought, well, you know, you and I had set up an appointment over the holidays when I was traveling uh, to do a podcast. And I remember you texting going, did I mix something up? Did I whatever? And I was completely nowhere where I could do our podcast. Um, and I'm like, no, that's completely on me. And I lost track of what day it was, you know, and um, you were able to give me that grace. And I was able to say like, nope, that's all my fault. <laughs> um, well, and I, I think that I don't know, like that's kind of a, cause I was, I was maybe 10 minutes away from that same situation. <laughs> so giving you the grace was also giving myself the grace because I, I was like, Oh, Oh, we have to do this. And then we did it. And I was like, Oh, well, thank goodness. Cause I wasn't really prepared. Yeah. I was on a tractor in a field. Not going to happen. Oh, goodness. <laughs> that would have made for some fun audio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it? <laughs> oh. So, um, you know, last time that I resumed therapy, it was with an intention this time to work on my dark sides of my life um, mm-hmm. and how to set boundaries for myself without shame for doing so. And yoga has really led me back to myself through self-love, self-compassion, self-empathy, self-forgiveness. And the difficulty for me is to bring my practice off the mat with more emotional, healthy, and um, being a more emotionally healthier and um, having this inner happiness. Um, And it's a a sense of greater responsibility, um, mindfulness and compassion and and this is really difficult for me because I'm a flawed human being, um, as I shared. And to get raw with myself on um, such is so vulnerable to look at those emotions is is really difficult and often painful. I, I think it is for everybody. Um, Svedvaya, right? The self study is a big part of yoga, and I think that. Um, I think it's hard for all of us. Nobody, nobody, you, I think it's difficult for everybody to, to see the ugly parts. And, you know, just recently we talked about ego and, um, you know, the ego is the part that wants to kind of brush those ugly parts back into the shadow and say, no, no, everything is fine. You see how great I'm doing? Um, and it, and it makes you, you know, not want to acknowledge your mistakes. And yet the most growth and the beauty of being a human being kind of comes from turning the other way, looking in the shadows, kind of poking around and why, why do I do these things? Or um, not only why do I do those things, but also not being so hard on yourself in the first place, like that thing that you're laying in bed at two o'clock in the morning, thinking about that thing that you said 10 years ago to that person where you're like, <laughs> I'm such an idiot. Um, probably didn't really make that big of a difference. And at the same time, if it's something that bugs you, because I, I do this a lot, ruminate on things, those, those are the things that you can try and work on and, and try and improve. And so it's that little balance of, um, I love myself, even though I said the stupid thing or did the stupid thing. 
and I can forgive myself, but I can also strive to do better, right? And, and work on it. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the eight limbs, and this is why I think yoga peeps in general, because it's part of, it's part of the practice, the fact that it's called a practice. You're never a yoga expert. You're always practicing. And when you apply that to life, you're like, oh, I'm always a student. I'm always learning. I'm always growing. Then that makes the possibility for betterment infinite. You can always improve. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, um, you know, we talk about this in the West that a lot of times people think, Uh, yoga is just the asana or the physical practice you know it's much easier to say I'm going to go do the physical practice than I'm going to go look at these darker sides of myself um, and grow from that Mm -hmm. Um, and so I but I think it's important to do both because our emotional tension affects our movement and a lot of times diseases go back to a root cause of emotional tension as well um that started with it. So I think it's important to, while it's maybe not something that is your first choice to sign up for, it's still um, just as important as that physical piece. Well, sure. We in our, in Western society, I mean, for the most part, I can generalize in, in that we typically see two different, two different health cares, right? <laughs> There's mm-hmm. like mental and emotional health care and there's physical health care. And uh, I think we've seen great strides in the last decade or so to marry those two more. And I think that's what you and I like to do. I think that's what the yoga therapy in general does. I think that's what a lot of Eastern philosophy does and Eastern practices, Chinese medicine, body work, and that kind of thing. Um, But I think Western medicine really sees or has seen physical and mental health as two different things. And really, they're, they're quite married to each other. The, it's really the biopsychosocial, spiritual model, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking as you were saying that, um, I'm, a, I'm a Chicago med uh, person. <laughs> it's like my, my numbing out uh, little bit of TV that I do every night. Sure. Um, but a, what I like about that is that they, they do have a, a mental health doctor as well as other doctors there working, and they often interact looking at the person um, physically and emotionally, which is nice to see them starting to even write roles like that, um, which does tell us it's becoming more mainstream. Right. But um, pain shows you your unconscious habits, and it jolts you into awareness. So second chances, right? So out from the nest of your bed and back into the extension of opening up the front of the body to feel lighter and balance the mind. You can feel smarter. You can say, I am smart. I am intelligent. I am kind. And I have light in me that burns bright. And this is my inner will to survive. It's my compass. And while you may be sensitive, um, a sensitive person, you may be vulnerable, um, you also have this wisdom to connect um, to others. And pain, uh, when I talk about pain, I mean about going through kind of this dark side and to be able to have um, 
a yoga friend that you can kind of share these experiences with of things that you're struggling with, right? Gives you strength. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, we're always saying little old sayings um, because it's just so fun how you find them to be true, but you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger Um, or, you know, where there are cracks is where the light shines kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is what what that made me think of, and I think again, a yoga friend understands and has that resilience to to be there a little bit more. And and um, I don't think either of us are discounting our other friends or other relationships that aren't involved with yoga. But I think that when you have a common bond, um. And you know that that self-study is there. You know that that compassion is there. You know that somebody else has a common thread. And, you know, as we're saying this, um, I think this could probably apply to people of faith as well. Because in yoga, we apply to tenets. Um, you know, we have the precepts, the yamas and niyamas, and, and the kind of the ways of behavior and understanding. And I'm sure people of faith in whatever their faith is, if they follow the same tenets and the same um, practices of self-study, of prayer, those kind of things, they're common bonds that you can kind of almost automatically go to someone who shares that bond with you and know that they're going to understand and be compassionate for whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're needing. And at the same time, I think that those common bonds help you connect with others as well. Um, I love that you kind of talk about the second chances when you talk about coming out of bed and um, opening up the front of your body. You know, every day is an opportunity to start over. And I've, I have had days where things have started and I've gone back to bed <laughs> to start over <laughs> again. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know, kids are off to school and things, and I'm going to go back to bed and wake up in an hour and start fresh because this morning was a shit show (laughs) and just start again. And um, I think it's kind of giving yourself permission to do that. And that's another thing that I think uh, the practices of yoga bring to the table. I really think too, when we were in grad school, we would take six grown women um, and put ourselves into a hotel room. And, um, you know, we all have our own uh, fixed habits and, um, you know, things that, you know, sometimes we want to be alone. Sometimes we want to be together. We had all kinds of different eating tendencies. Uh, you know, morning rituals were different. Evening rituals were different. But we all could respect and kind of find joy in each other's little quirkiness, Um which I think really made for this nice, resilient uh, bond that we've continued to have even outside of grad school. Um, And I think it's kind of neat. Not too many people get to experience that. I I love that. So for the listeners, it was a suite. It wasn't like we're all in a one bedroom hotel room. (laughs) It was big enough for people to have enough space and a common area. Um, It was very much like a dorm situation. Uh, but that said, yeah, you know, I think, I think that comes from a mutual respect. You know, if, if you want to meditate first thing in the morning, if you're the one that wants to go to bed 
you know, be the first one to go to bed at night, if you're social and talkative, or if you just need to be quiet and kind of go off onto your own. Um, yeah, there was, there was very much an acceptance and a support in that situation that I, I really haven't, um, matched that elsewhere. And, you know, you and I are a little older. We were the two um, older in our group of six women. Not that the age difference was that big, but 10 to 15 years. Um, and it was funny because we said this, or I said this at the end when we graduated, you know, they always say, oh, your college friends are your friends that you'll have for life. And you just don't expect that when you go back to college in your 30s and 40s. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that that those friends are still gonna be your friends for life. And I I really feel like we we made that bond um through school and us six together uh in particular because we spent so much time together, have kept that bond and are much yeah. closer. Because in undergrad I was a transient student, so I didn't live on campus. That meant that I you know, stayed off campus and I worked mm-hmm. full time and didn't have a lot of time for extracurricular activities. So I felt like I always missed that bond. So then when we did grad school, you know, and I'm flying to a different state, I really didn't have expectations of having bonds, but I feel like I made more bonds in grad school than I did in undergrad. Um, and we were from all different places and it's, it was quite um, enriching. Yeah. No, and and even when I think about our particular cohort, um, we were rather small. There were fifteen of us by the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel I feel really bonded to those fifteen people or fourteen other people. Um, you know, for life in in so many ways, and I do feel like that there's, um, I could reach out to anybody, and if I needed to, and I would be here for any of those. 14 people, <laughs> if, they, if they reach out to me, you know, it's just kind of a, um, kind of a thing. How much mm. of this too, Kim, do you feel like, like, I feel like a lot of it comes from yoga. I feel like a lot of it comes from community. It comes from self-study. Um, how much of it do you think just comes from age? And, and I say this, uh, you know, some of our friends, our yoga friends, even in school, were younger. And I have to say that I was very jealous of a few of them who were, you know, 25 and had all these yoga skills <laughs> because I did not have them at 25. And I, I was did a not mess. either. Yes, same here. <laughs> and um, so I feel like, you know, all of this wisdom has come with age. But I also can look at some of those in our cohort who were younger and they had a lot of this already. Yeah, you know, to me, I think it comes with age and maturity because that's the path that I've lived. But um, you're right. When I look at the younger people, um, you know, in their 20s or, or early 30s even, I think, wow, I'm emotionally delayed. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> because I'm like, I'm like, you know, 10, 15 years off the emotional mark. Um, but then that also gives me hope because if my, my hope and wish would be that younger people learn what I've learned um, through yoga uh, late in life, earlier in life, so that um, maybe there isn't as much suffering or their suffering can be different. 
than what mine was. And I think that that gives me hope for um, society at large. Yeah. Yeah. That the, that the younger generations are, are seemingly finding some of this sooner mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is a nice thought. It's kind of giving you a little warm and fuzzy feeling that um, some people are, are coming to this sooner. That acceptance and the forgiveness and compassion for others is huge right now. I, I think that's what um, Western society, but all the world really needs is just some, some just good old fashioned acceptance of, Hey, you know, things may be different. I may not know where you're coming from, but I can certainly um, empathize and respond with kindness mm-hmm. regardless. And, you know, I, I think that when it, when it boils down to it, that's probably what the resilience of a yoga friend is all about. Yeah. And I really, uh, I was at a, a leadership summit um, and I heard Bill Hybels speak and he has a book called um, Simplify Time Practices to Unclutter Your Soul. And he, he kind of broke down friendships, you know, uh, we're lucky if we have kept a friendship that we started when we were in a childhood um, mm-hmm. And then uh, if we have a lifelong childhood friend, you know, that's very rare. Not very many people get that. Most people have like acquaintance friendships. So maybe it's a friendship that you make um, with other moms who are stroller moms or other baseball team moms or, um, you know, maybe it's your yoga uh, mat friends. Mm-hmm. And so he has these different categories of friendships and I think sometimes we think friendship should be like it was when we were uh, back in high school mm-hmm. and we forget that as adults, we evolve and people grow and lives take you in different ways. And so friendship can be um, described in different ways and needs are met in different ways. And I'm sure some of us have that friend where you don't see them often, you don't talk to them often, but when you do, it's like you never, like there wasn't a period of not communicating <laughs> Cause you fall right. right back into that friendship. Um, and so, you know, I'm interested in what is your essence of yoga and how do you integrate yoga into your daily life? And what was your first segue into the yoga world? And do you need the darkness so that you can shine more brightly? And where did you go to heal from a storm? And for me, the common thread through all of that is yoga. And a resiliency of a yoga friend. Oh, that's beautiful. I like that. I'm going to post those questions on our blog. And I think that we should maybe even put those on social media um, and pose those questions to our listeners. Um, Because I think that's really beautiful. I I love that yoga friend is is the common thread. But I'd love to hear from our listeners um, how they've integrated yoga into their daily life and the ways in which it's helped them heal. So we hope to hear from you listeners. We're going to post those questions um, that Kim so lovely, lovingly put together for <laughs> the end um, here. Um, and I, I feel like without answering them one by one, I, I feel very myself um connected as well to the community of yoga and to yoga friends and that's uh 
the essence as well. Additionally, the practice of um, all eight limbs and not just physical asana um, have been really big points in the last 10 years of my life in particular. I've been practicing for 20, but in the last 10 years, you know, everything has kind of come together full circle. And I feel like I'm, I'm able to really practice things daily. So we look forward to hearing from you listeners. Uh, find us at wherethelotusgrows.com. Uh, all things Where the Lotus Grows on social media. And email us at where the, or info at Where the Lotus Grows. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Where the Lotus Grows. Join us in further conversations. We believe that you bring valuable knowledge to this community. You can find us at wherethelotusgrows.com, where the lotus grows on Instagram and Facebook, or Twitter, where the lotus G1, because we were not on top of that one. Remember that though we are professionals in our field, the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended to treat or diagnose. Please seek the guidance of a medical, integrative health, bodywork, or yoga therapy professional for a full evaluation. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate us on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform.